What is up, P7 family? Thank you so much for joining us for this P7 podcast. We're excited that you're here hanging out with us. The goal of this podcast is to, yes, inform you. We want to bring things that you can do in your P7 club to grow your P7 club or perhaps grow you as a leader. But ultimately, we want to inspire you through God's word because we know through his word and his spirit, we can be transformed. So grab a pen, grab some paper, or grab your phone and open up the notes section. Write some things down. We know that it's going to help you. Let's dive in. Well, first of all, how exciting it is to see uh, so many young people tuning in uh, to just, I know it's it's nine o'clock where I am. I know that the central central time is eight o'clock right now. So um, it's just great to see all you guys getting on this call, uh, taking some time out of your night just to you know, just to hear about God and just be together with people of like faith and similar burden for high schools and for middle schools and public school, private schools, wherever you may be. So it's very exciting. I'm super excited to be on here with you guys. Um, So I'm going to introduce myself real quick, and then we're going to kind of get into this. I'm not going to take a long time, but I definitely want to share what I feel like God wants, uh, wants everybody to hear. So for those of you guys who don't know me, I am William Spriggs. I am the P7 coordinator for the Maryland DC district and a former P7er myself. Um, I started P7 my senior year of high school. Um, I was a late bloomer, I like to call myself. I felt the burden for you know freshman year, sophomore year, junior year. Every P7 promo video, every Everything that went, went around P7, I was the kid that like everybody was looking at, like, you know, they're talking to you. They're talking about you right now. You need to do a P7. You need to, you need to. And, you know, it took until my senior year for me to finally just, you know, decide to answer the call. And let me, got, let me tell you guys real quick, just from personal experience, it was the greatest decision I've ever made in my life. There was so many things that I was able to experience and see when I decided to just push past the fears, push past all the nerves, push past the intimidation and just step out and and just do this thing and just begin telling my friends about God. I think sometimes we focus a little bit too much on like you have to start this club when really the first step is just tell your friends about God. Start with your friends, start with the people right in front of you, and God will just start taking care of the rest. It'll kind of just fall down like dominoes, and next thing you know, you, you got a club, and you're teaching a Bible study to a bunch of different people. But but just start with just talking to that one person, that one friend. That's really important. And so that's what I did. I just began talking to my friends about God and talking to my friends um, and seeing if they would even be interested in a Bible study. And then after a couple of months of school, we started the P7 Club. And, you know, God just did amazing things. You know, we had like the whole entire football team come into the P7 clubs. And I don't know about your schools that you guys go to, but the football players at my, no offense if there's any football players on here. The football players at my school were not the nicest of people. And they were like the first people I thought, there's no way they're going to want to come to this club. They're not going to want to do anything like this. I was thinking that. And God had other plans. He had other ideas. And, you know, the whole football team was coming. And then, you know, we, we ended up having to move out of our classroom into the cafeteria. And then true story, we had our first meeting in the cafeteria, 80 people showed up 
and uh, my friend opened up the food and literally all 80 kids, like they went into like piranha swarm mode and they like attack the food. They all start sprinting at the food. And my school wasn't, didn't have the best reputation. It wasn't known as like the best school. And so one of the janitors that was in the, in the cafeteria saw these 80 kids, like, like all like mosh pitting around the food. And the cap, the um, janitor was like, uh, you know, we got a we got a code blue in here. We got a big fight going. We need all hands on deck. And they shut down the club because they were like, this club is too big and you can't control these kids. Fast forward after the club getting shut down, God reopened the club. We restarted the thing and God just took off from there. We began seeing the miraculous. People were getting baptized. People were receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost in the school. You know, we were seeing them just God was doing things and it was very powerful. And it all started from one decision that I made, which was I'm going to talk to somebody about God. And from that, I'm going to talk to somebody God put in me. I need to talk to everybody. So if you're feeling like, you know, I just don't know if this is for me. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know. I'm not a good public speaker. I'm not this. I'm not that. Whatever the I'm not may be. Start with one person. Find one person and talk to them about God, whether, whether it's your best friend or somebody you don't even know at all. But start with that one person and watch what God begins to do, because I think that it would really shock you. All right. So let's go ahead and get into this because I'm really excited about this. Uh, I, I, you can ask my wife. I literally have been talking her ear off for like the past little while because I'm so excited to talk to you guys about this. So we're going to start with some reading. I'm going to read to you guys. Some of it's going to be uh, paraphrasing and just kind of summarizing. And then we're going to actually get into to what the scripture is saying. But I want to talk to you guys just for a little bit about this, the four leprous men in second Kings chapter seven. All right. And this is a great story. Uh, can you guys know how to use the thumbs up option? Use the thumbs up if anybody knows the story of the four leprous men, not the ones where they get healed, but the, lep the four leprous men and then, you know, Samaria and the Syrians and everything. All right. Look at that. We got some Bible quizzes on here. Come on now. Good stuff. All right. So I'm going to pair. I'm going to just kind of do a brief overview and then we're going to get into this. But the story is pretty much that that the nation of Samaria has been surrounded by the Syrian army. And what the Syrian army has done is they have literally blocked off every single point. They've blocked off every entry point for food to come in, for water, for the trades and, and all that stuff. They blocked off everything. And so right now, Samaria is going through a very, very terrible famine, okay? And they are literally, it's gotten to the point, some parts of the, the, the verses literally talk about like, they're like eating one another because of how desperate they are for food and how hungry they are. And then Elisha, and this is uh, 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1. Elisha says, then Elisha said, hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord tomorrow about this time, a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. And you guys may think, well, I don't even know what that means. What, is, what importance is that? That is pretty cheap for these. These were like, 
very, very rare resources at this time when, when Elisha says this. Those resources were not just things you just give away. And so when Elisha says this, it literally says in the next verse, then a Lord who, on whose hand the king leaned. So basically somebody that the king really relied on. The, they, he said, and, and said, behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but not thou shalt not eat thereof. And so what, what, this, what this Lord was saying, he was basically being sarcastic. He was like, yeah, okay. If God opens up the heavens, then I believe what you're saying. That's basically what he's saying. And so Elisha looks at him. He's like, because of your doubt, because of your lack of faith, you're going to see people do it, but you're not going to be able to partake of it yourself. And let me say this real quickly. It is not the best place to be where you have to sit back and watch. You have to sit back and watch miracles happen in your school. You have to sit back and watch friends get saved, get baptized, turn to Christ, their life uh, just change for the better. It's not the best place to be when you have to sit back and watch that, but you can't partake of it of yourself. That's not a place that I wanted to be. I didn't want to sit back and watch something happen that God had already said, I want to use you to do. But, but that's what happened to this Lord. And if we keep reading, it says in verse three, and there were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate. And they said one to another, why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city and we shall die. And if we sit here, we die. Now, therefore, come and let us fall unto the host of the Syrians. If they save us or if they don't kill us, we'll live. And if they kill us, we'll die. And so basically, these leprous men are saying, look, this is, this is a lose-lose situation. What's the worst thing that can happen? We die. But if we don't do anything, we're going to die. If we go back home, we're going to die because there's a famine there. So we might as well, I guess, try it. We might as well just try because there's a chance they don't kill us. And look at this. And they rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, no man was there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. The, the Syrians got up and they got up out of Dodge. They were like, I got to get out of here because we're about to get our butts kicked because the Israelites hired some army that was bigger than us to defeat us. Now, you guys have to understand where the, 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 the city of Samaria, the Samarians, the Israelites, they were not some like dominant. They were in the place of, of, of uh, vulnerability. They were in a place where they were weak. They were not strong. And yet, because four people, four leprous men just made up in their minds and decided, look, if we do nothing, we're going to die. If we go back to Samaria, we're going to die. So I guess we might as well try this. As they took one step, it says, and they rose up. And understand this. God did not tell the four leprous people, well, if you get up and move, I'm going to go scare the Syrians away. And there's going to be a bunch of food and stuff there for you guys. God didn't tell them that. 
they just made up in their minds, well, sitting here and doing nothing, it, it's pointless. So I got to do something. And as they went and did something, God did everything. As the Syrian army decided, I'm gonna, I'm, as the four leprous people got up and they just decided, I'm just going to take a chance. I'm going to go to where the food is. God did all the rest of the work and got rid of all the armies. They got rid of all the enemies. You see, if we put this in our perspective, if you make up in your mind, and I'm talking to people that go to public school, private school, homeschooled, it doesn't matter. If you make up in your mind, look, if I just sit here and do nothing, people are going to hell right now. I'm just going to keep it very plain and real with you guys because I feel like you guys can handle it. People, if I do nothing, people are suffering. If I just stay and have good church services and jump at the altar and clap my hands, people are still suffering. But if I take a step of faith and just go and try something, what's the worst that can happen? Somebody rejects me? Somebody makes fun of me? What's the worst thing that could really happen? I promise you that if you take a step of faith, nobody is going to kill you. The four lepers people were facing death. The apostles in the New Testament, they were facing death by taking a step of faith. I promise you, you're not going to be facing death. But God is, is really saying to somebody, I've, and this is something that I really want you guys to understand. I'm not coming on this call to give you guys like some fresh new word. Because the Lord, the, I feel like the Lord was telling me that you already have a bunch of words this summer. You've had your camps and your youth conventions and your church services and your private time with God. And you wouldn't be on this call unless God had already started dealing with you about something, whether it's about your school, about your neighborhood, about whatever, it, whatever God's dealing with you. He's already dealing with you about something. And so the only thing God wants to say is, what's the worst that can happen? If you would take a step, if you listen if you would take a step, God's saying, I will take all the rest of the steps because God, it takes us making this step of faith where we don't see any of the results yet. We don't see anything yet, but we're going to take the step of faith and allow God to just put that stepping stone under us. But you got to step first. You see what I'm saying? The, the four lepers, they took the step, they arose. And then the Syrian army heard a horses and chariots and this great host of people and they ran and they were scared senseless and it's like why why would the what could the syrians really have been afraid of i asked myself that question because i didn't even when i read that i didn't understand because the syrians they were a pretty dominant army but look at what this is pretty interesting and i'm not going to read all of this but i'm just going to go back and kind of you guys can read it um on your own time but Second, in 2 Kings chapter 6, if you go to the verse, the chapter before where we're reading in chapter 7, that was the story where, where the Elisha and the servant are surrounded by an army. Guess what army the Elisha and their servant were surrounded by? The Syrian army. They were looking for the king of Israel because they wanted to kill him. And that's when Elisha tells the servant, he asked God, open this servant's eyes. And when he opens the servant's eye, when the servant opens his eyes, he sees the army, the Syrian army, but around the Syrian army, he sees the angels of God. He sees the army of God. And Elisha then prays and asks that the Syrians be blinded. 
And he prays that the Syrians be blinded and the Syrians were blinded. This is what you have to understand here. The Syrians already had an experience where God lit them up. You see, we kind of discount people at school, at our schools and in our, in our neighborhoods. We automatically think like, they don't want this. They don't need this. They don't, they don't care about this. When in reality, they've probably already been at rock bottom. They've probably already gone through a bunch of stuff. They've already dealt with a bunch of stuff and they just need one person's voice. They just need one person's faith to really break through, to really be that thing that pushes them over the edge. You see, listen, the, the Syrians were already at rock bottom. They looked like a strong army. They looked like they were dominant. They looked like they were super powerful. But in reality, they were weak. They were already being broken down. And by the four lepers men taking the step, God was able to do the rest and really push through and push them over the edge. And this is the interesting thing is that when the leprous men, they go to the camp and they get all the food and they get all of the, the, the silver and the gold. And it literally says that the leprous men start hiding it. They start putting it away and hiding it. And then they decide to tell the Sumerians about it. And then you fast forward to the end of the story. At the end of the story, it literally says, let's see if we can find it. Let's see if we can get there. And the people went out, this is verse 16, the people went out and spoiled the tents of the Syrians. And listen here. So a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. And if we go back to the beginning, Elisha says, thus saith the Lord tomorrow, a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel. Mm -hmm. There was a word that God already spoke. But if the leprous men would have done nothing and just sat on their butts, that word would have never come to pass. There is a word. That's what I said. I felt like the Lord was really saying, you guys already have words from God for your school. You don't need this new word. You don't need a new, fresh revelation or crazy word. The word has already been spoken, and the only thing that God needs you guys to do now is to rise up like the, like the four lepers, like the four lepers. It says, and they rose up, and they, they rose up. It takes an action. You see, for those of y'all, we did the whole A and B thing in the beginning. Some of you guys are already in school, and you're starting to feel you were on fire at that, that youth convention. And you were on fire at that P7 rally. And you were on fire at your camp. And you felt like you could just take on anything that the devil threw at you. You were charging hell with a water pistol. You were like ready to go. You were like, send every devil my way, God, because I'm tearing them up. And then you got to school. And now you're, you're starting to doubt the word that God already gave you. You're starting to doubt the things that you already felt. And God is just trying to remind somebody. Those that are against you are lesser than those that are for you. And if you take that step, if you just go and get bold, I feel the whole, if you go and get bold, you will then begin to see what God has already spoken to you. You see, at this P7 summit this past week, I began to speak on something about being bold in, and having dominion in your private life and having dominion in your public life. You see, we got a lot of people that you can, you are just in tune to the gifts of the spirit. 
You're in tune to everything that God is saying, everything God wants to do. You're having visions, dreaming dreams. I'm talking about you You got the whole nine yards when you're in your prayer closet or when you're at the altar surrounded by all your friends that are apostolic too. But then you step out into your school, you step out in the public and it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where was all that authority I was just feeling? Where was all of that dominion I was just feeling? And then we, we shrink up and we close up. And God is just trying to remind somebody. He just wants to remind you. Don't forget what I told you already. Don't forget I already promised that friend of yours he's going to get saved by the end of this year. Don't forget that dream you had about that student that has been battling depression. I told you at, at the youth convention that I wanted to deliver her from depression. Don't forget about that teacher. You see, some of we, we get a little bit like we feel intimidated by teachers because they're older than us. God doesn't care about that. Don't forget about that teacher that I want to fill with my spirit in the classroom. Don't forget. God is literally saying he's I literally can see you guys now. Literally, things are starting to pop back up into your mind. You're starting to remember some things that God's already talked to you about. God's already given you. And there's nothing the devil would want more. There's no, listen, there's nothing the devil would want more than to have a bunch of 55 powerful, anointed young people of God to get intimidated and shrink up and not get up and step. Because the devil knows if he can keep you from stepping, he can keep everything else from happening. But he knows, the devil knows once you take a step, it's over. Once those four leprous men made up in their mind, if we stay here, we die. If we go back, we die. We might as well go. It was over. Syrians had already lost. It was over once the decision was made. And I really feel to tell somebody, it, the, it's over once the decision is made. Understand this. When I first started my P7, when I first, I had a prayer. I, I, it was like our back to school revival where we were having a youth service. And my youth pastor came up to me and he said, look, I feel to dump a whole entire bottle of oil on your head and anoint you like they did back in the Bible times. And I was devastated because I had just gotten a new suit and I was wearing it that day. And if you guys know anything about oil, it doesn't come out. It's there for good. And he's, I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. He dumps the oil. He just starts pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring. And it starts soaking up and he puts his hand on my head and he says, the greater the reward you want, that much greater your sacrifice needs to be. And I knew what he was talking about. The Lord had been dealing with me about quitting basketball. And can I tell you that when I made up in my mind, this is what you guys understand. I was terrified. The first thing that the devil started throwing at me was this fear of telling my basketball coach I was quitting basketball. Because I knew that that was the step I had to make so that God could then just have his way. And the moment I laid the altar for two hours and the moment that I decided I'm doing this, I'm telling my coach, the moment I decided that and I, I opened up the group, the text message to text my coach on the first day of school, we had a basketball meeting I didn't go to. He texted me. He texted me and all the other basketball players in a group chat. He says, listen, I don't want you guys to say a word to Will. I don't want you to mock him. I don't want you to criticize him. I don't want you to mess with him. What he, the decision he's making is what God wants him to do. Now, listen, I had not said a word to him. I hadn't texted him. I hadn't messaged him. I hadn't said anything to anybody. The only people that knew I was quitting basketball was my youth pastor, my parents and God. And that was it. 
but he texted me and I texted him back. I'm like, man, coach, how did you know? How did you know I was quitting? I haven't said anything to anyone. And he said, I looked at you today. And he said, I'm telling you, I don't know if it was God. He, he believes in God, but he, he wasn't like a man of God. Like he wasn't like a man of faith. He just like believed in him every once in a while. And he said, I don't know if it was God or what it was, but something told me William is quitting basketball and he needs your support now more than ever. That's literally what he told me. I'm looking at my phone in awe. I'm looking, I'm staring at this text message because my basketball coach was the type of coach that if you quit basketball, he's going to cuss you out and ridicule you behind your back in front of all your friends. And I'm like, oh boy, I don't want to go through all this. I'm saying all that. I don't want to go through all this and, and, and anything. And yet God just took care of it for me. But you have to understand something. I had to take the step. You see, there are some things that you guys are afraid of and intimidated by and worried about. And if you take the step, guess what? God's just going to handle it. You make the decision. God's going to just handle it. You say, well, I don't have a teacher sponsor. God will provide the teacher sponsor. Well, I don't have a classroom to use. God will provide the classroom. Well, what if nobody even comes? God will worry about that. Well, what if I can't? What if I go to talk to somebody and I get all choked up? God will take care of that. Well, what if I just can't? What if I can't? What if I, what if I, what if I, and God's saying, forget all of that and just take the step and watch how exactly. Somebody just said in the comment, what if God does? You see, it just takes a step. And that's all it's a, I know it's a simple concept. I know you guys have probably already heard this before, but I'm telling you, God is trying to remind somebody it just takes a step. You see, we just try to get everything together. We try to figure out all the little details. And God says, I don't care. Don't worry about the details. All I need is a commitment from you. I'll handle the details. I'll handle the fine print. And this is the last thing. The last thing I want to say really quickly. In the chapter before, in the chapter before, where before the leprous men and all these different things, in the chapter before that, when Elisha prays that the Syrians are blinded and all that stuff, Elisha led the Syrians to Samaria because they wanted to kill the king of Israel. So Elisha led them to where the king of Israel wasn't. Now, in that next chapter, we know that the Syrians surround Samaria and Samaria goes through this huge drought and all these terrible things. And this is what God says. This is or this is what Elisha says. Listen. This is what he says in verse 33, chapter 6, verse 33. And while Elisha talked with them, behold, the messenger came down unto him. And Elisha, where it says, and he said, it's not talking about the messenger. It's talking about Elisha. Elisha says, behold, this evil is of the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Elisha obeyed God. He blinded the Syrians and led them to Samaria. But the result of his obedience wasn't immediately what he thought it should have been. He thought, well, I'm going to, we're going to pray for this. this the Syrians are going to come. We're going to let them go. And they're just going to leave us alone. We're going to have an ally. Eh, wrong. The Syrians decided to invade the very place that you led them to. And Elisha has a moment of doubt. He has a moment where he, he blames God for this. He's upset. He obeyed God and the result wasn't what he thought it would be. And this is the reason I'm saying this is because 
there's going to be times this school year. I want to be real with you guys. I don't want to be fake. There's going to be times this school year where you feel like you're obeying God and the result that comes from it isn't exactly what you thought or wanted it to be. It's not exactly what you thought it was going to be. And you have to understand something. The results are in God's hands and not yours. The results are not up to you. The results are up to God. And so the very next verse is the start of chapter seven. It's almost like Elisha in that gap between verse 33 of chapter six and then chapter seven. It's like Elisha had this moment where he like, he was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me pull myself back together here. And then he prophesies the very next verse. It's like, God's like, whoa, whoa, Elisha. Remember what I've already done for you. Remember the things I've already spoken to you. And then he just begins to do it. So don't beat yourself up and don't get discouraged if you feel like, oh, man, you know, I just I've been doubting God. I've been doing this. God isn't going to use me anymore because I, I've already started doubting. I've had my first week of school and I haven't talked to one person about God yet or I haven't even decided to do the start the club or anything like that. That's OK. Even Elisha, the great prophet Elisha, had a moment where he's doubting God. He's blaming God for this whole situation. But God still just quickly reminds him, wait about the things. Wait, wait and remember the things that I've already told you about. If you take nothing away from tonight, take this one thing away. Go take a step. One step. Whatever that, that step is going to look different for different people. My step was telling my coach, I quit. That was my step. But your step might be going to that best friend of yours and just saying, hey, would you ever be interested in a Bible study? Would you ever be interested in just like hanging out like outside of school? That might be your step. Your step might be that you've seen this person over and over and over in the hallway this past week. And God's been like tugging on you to just go talk to them. Your step might be going to talk to them. Your step might be printing out the paperwork that you need to print out to get your club approved in your school. I don't know what each and every person's step is specifically, but I do know that God is wanting each and every person in this call to take that step. Your step might be going outside during your lunch for all my homeschoolers and going to that person that you keep on seeing playing outside by themselves or walking around your neighborhood by themselves. Your step might be, don't think, oh, I'm homeschooled. This doesn't really apply to me. No, you have a step as well. Your step might be going to the nearest library every single day and sitting down at a table and just praying. And as you begin to pray, God begins to bring people to that table. You begin to run into people. You begin to meet people in that lot. I don't know what your step is, but I know, I'm telling you, I know that you have a step. God is calling each person to take a step. And I promise you, just as the four lepers, man, they didn't know what God was going to do. But as they took a step, God came up behind them and did all the work. So listen to this. This is the coolest part about it. By the time the lepers, men got to where the enemy was, the enemy wasn't even there anymore. By the time the leprous men got to where they were so worried about going, they thought, look, if we get there, they may kill us. The thing that they were worried about killing them wasn't even 
there anymore. Think about that. As you take a step, the things that you are intimidated, when I, the thing I was intimidated about, my coach lighting me up and making fun of me in front of, to all my friends, by the time I actually got to telling him, he was already behind me, supporting me. So the very things that you're worried about, if you would go out, you would take that step, make that move. And I'm repeating, take that step a bunch because I want you guys tomorrow when you're at school to hear my voice saying, take that step, take that step, take that step. I want you as you're sitting in your house, getting ready to start your school for the day and you look outside and you see that person or, or the bus just let out and you see all the kids getting off the bus about to walk to their house. I want you to hear my voice saying, take that step, take that step, take that step. Because I promise you, you're not going to regret it once you do it. I promise you, you're not going to regret it once you do it. Let's pray really quickly. And I'm going to hand this back over to Brother Corey Boyd. I think we have like a Q&A we're going to do or something like that. Let's pray real quick. God, I pray right now that the words that you've already spoken to these young people, God, the dreams that you've already put in their minds, the visions you've already given them, the burdens you've already placed on them, God, I pray that they would be brought back to the surface right now, God. I pray that, that those faces that you've been putting in their minds, the names you've been putting in their minds would come back up to the surface, oh God, so that they can know that tomorrow I'm taking that step. The first day of school, I'm taking that step. Whatever that step may be, oh God, just as the four lepers, man, they didn't know what was going to happen, oh God. They just took a step and they were able to sit back in awe of what you did. Not what they did, God, but what you did, God. I pray we would have that same uh, level of trust with you where we just take a step. And whatever the outcome ends up being, God, it's, it's on you. The glory goes to you, God. It all goes to you, Jesus. So, Lord, I pray right now that there would be a boldness that would come over us, oh, God, that would allow us to just take that step, Lord, whether it's about one of our neighbors in our community, whether it's about one of our friends in school, or whether it's about a complete stranger that we have math class with or English with, God. I pray right now that we would be sensitive to your voice, oh, God, that we would be sensitive to what you're leading and guiding us to do, oh, God. And I pray that this year we would see revival and harvest in our schools like never before, God. I pray that the young people would be used like never before, God, that you would use them in ways where they've only heard stories about God. But I pray that we would no longer just sit back and hear stories, but we would be able to get some stories of our own. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray that your protection and your covering is over the young people as they're starting back to school, God, whether it's public school, private school, or homeschooled, God, I pray that your protection is on them. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. My God, have mercy. Bro, I wish you would have preached a little bit tonight. Holy ghost, man. I'm, I felt that in my office here, man. Absolutely amazing. You know, here's, here's what's amazing about this. I, I, I've studied this story quite a bit and um, I dug into it really deep one, one, one time. And some commentaries say that one of those people, one of those four lepers very, very likely could have been Gehazi, who was, who was the servant of Elisha, who just two chapters prior went back to get something that the man of God said, don't go leave it alone. Don't go back. 
And so if, if this is true, if, if, if this pans out, this is one of these questions I want to ask God one day when we get to heaven. If this is true, this, this man, Gehazi, knew the power of going forward, and he knew the consequences of going back. And so I think this, this is such an incredible principle for us as, as young adults, for us as, as teenagers, to have this, this concept. I am not, I'm not going to stay here. I'm not moving back because what did Moses say? God, we're not going to move forward unless your presence goes, goes before us. And I make it part of my life every time that, that, that I, that I pray every time that I, I have my devotion, God, I want to feel your presence. I want to, I want to see your, your, your presence. And so I guess um, if, if anybody that's been watching here has any questions, go ahead and throw them in, throw them in the uh, comment here, um, throw, throw them in the chat, but Will, can you just kind of, um, I'm going to just throw this, this question out to you as far as what are some practical ways we as teenagers, uh, I mean, I say we, I'm, I'm 35 years old here. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm trying to learn the lingo of the, of the day. Um, you know, somebody, somebody said when you, uh, you know, yee, I guess, I don't know. That's, that's what the kids are doing these days. You know, ice in the van. I, I, I'm, I'm a moron, but let me, <laughs> this is a 35 year old youth pastor trying to connect with a bunch of teenagers. Like they look at me like I'm a dinosaur half the time. Um, but what are some practical ways, Will, that we as, as, as teenagers and young adults can, um, live a life of intentionality of having that mindset. I'm going to be moving forward. How, what are some practical things we can be doing? That's, that's like one of the best questions, like to, to kind of, when we're talking about P7, when we talk about some practical ways, the very, the number one thing really in my mind is your motive, your heart. What is the purpose of everything you're doing? And if you can make sure, then this is this is a practical example. This is a practical application. If you can make sure every single morning your motive is love, you go to school with the mindset of just, Amani says this all the time. I wish he was on here. He literally says this all the time on the phone. You're like, man, we just got to be normal. We just got to be people, normal people. I wish he was on here too, because then you wouldn't have to deal with me. No, not at all. You're fantastic. Let's all give a thumbs up for Corey, huh? Um yeah, there we go. Love it. Um, but he literally, he says all the time, just be normal. Just be a normal person. And what I mean by that is when, when you're going to your school, don't look at people as uh, a, a number or an opportunity. Or like when you look at that person, the first thing you're thinking is like, oh man, I bet, I bet they could they can get the Holy Ghost today. Oh, I bet they could this. I bet they, because people are going to look at you and they're going to look at you and they're going to see you as like, you want them to be a means to something else. But the most practical tip that I can give you guys is be you, just be, just be a person, talk to people, make friends. And as you begin to build trust with people, their walls start falling down. And next thing you know, they mention something about like depression or they mention something about something going on in their family. And, or they mention, they mention these different things and then you can kind of address it then. So one of the main practical applications is just be you, be, be exactly who you are supposed to be. And then one other thing, as far as just moving forward, a practical application of just moving forward is you have to give yourself personal. I'm not talking about 
like goals of I want my P7 club by next week to have 100 kids and I want by next week to have like 55 people get the Holy Ghost. No, that's what I'm talking about. You need to make goals for yourself. What are your what are some goals that you have? I want to make a friend today. I want to read my Bible this morning. I want to wake up at this time and pray this amount of time this morning before school. I want to make sure that people look at me as someone they can trust. I want to build trust with somebody today. Those are those practical goals that you give yourself that allow you to keep moving forward one step at a time. You take one step and then you take another step and then you take another step and then you take another step. And if, if you notice the motive, the goal in all of these things I'm talking about is just making connection with people. That's the That should be your goal. That should be your motive. As you make the connections, God does the work. As you make the connections, God does the work. So those are just some like two practical examples that you can actually do. You can do these things. Like you got literally can get off this call and start thinking and, and thinking about what are some goals that I have for myself for this next couple of weeks. You can wake up tomorrow morning and just pray like, Lord, allow me to just operate in love today. And he will, I promise. I absolutely promise that he will. I hope that answers the question. That yeah, was a really absolutely. So we got a question here. We, uh, uh, Sunshine um, says that um, they have six, they have 67 students signed up for P7 this year, which is absolutely amazing. The most they've ever had is 20. The question is, how do we, how do we, um, she says, how, how, he or she, I'm not sure. Um, how do I keep P7 personal and close knit with so many kids without seeming insensitive? I know you had a larger P7 club. How did you maintain some of those connections um, even though it was a, it was a huge group. What a great question. And the number one thing that, and I actually feel like I wish that I implemented this a little bit more is allow there to be a lot of opportunity for guided fellowship, like goals in your fellowship. You may say like, oh my goodness, six, with 67 kids, how does the fellowship not get out of control? And I'll tell you this story that I have. It was the P7 club had got shut down because of the, the riot that happened in the cafeteria that I told you guys about earlier. And it just got shut down. I'm talking with the administration a couple weeks later about restarting it. And they look at me and they say, look, you have too many kids in your club and uh, you can't control them. They're going to just be crazy. They won't listen to you. And I told them, I said, you come and sit in the club today. And if one kid talks while I'm talking, if one kid disrupts, acts crazy, you can shut the club down for the rest of the school year. And as I walked out of the class, I walked out of the office, I'm sweating bullets. I'm like, oh, great. Why would I have said something like that? There's like, who knows how many kids are going to be there? It's going to be crazy, whatever. We get there. This was our biggest club meeting yet. It was like 150 kids there. They all walked in single file, sat down completely silent. We had a quick lesson and then we did this really fun Q&A with, with prizes and donuts at the end. And when I say nobody talked, nobody talked unless it was their turn to talk. Everybody had a great time. We made connections with everyone. Like it was so fun, so awesome. They all threw the trash away, got up in a single file line and left. It was like complete order. I'm looking at like, wow, how did that happen? And then my, one of my mentors, they told me, God brings balance. 
allow God to just be God and you be you. And so what I would say and what something we implemented was we would do a lesson, but we made it a priority that the lesson did not take up the whole entire P7 meeting. Making the connections and the fellowship was more important in that moment. And so we would do a lesson and then we would literally just do Q&A where everybody was allowed to interact. And at the end, I would make it a point that I walked through to every person and said, hey, what's up? How are you? How did you like the club? Was it was it cool today? Did you have a good time? Like whatever it might have been, I made it a point to walk to each person and speak to them and connect with them. So you just be intentional. So with 67 students signed up, that's amazing. And you just make it a point. You teach lessons you feel like God's telling you to teach. And then you, it's going to take work. I'm not saying it's easy. It's good. It's going to take work, but you be intentional about walking around and talking to each person, whether you know them or not, you walk around, you introduce yourself, say, Hey, what's up? And make those connections. And just because of those personal connections you make during the club, it will make everything else feel more personal and more uh, like you're talking directly to them. Good question. So starting P7 clubs, leading P7 clubs, um, obviously comes with some potential fear. Um, just what's going to happen? Are people going to show up? Um, how am I going to fall all over my lesson? Is it, you know, am I going to, you know, stutter all, all over the place? How do we maintain boldness in, in as a P7 missionary? And there was a question came in. How, how do we, how do we maintain boldness while um, doing what God has called us to do? Great, great, great question. Uh, Take the pressure off of yourself. If you take the pressure off of yourself and put, I know this may sound weird, but almost like put it on God, you will actually feel like you can like do anything because you understand now that the pressure is not on me, it's on God and it's up to God to do everything else. And so, you know, something that I struggled with a lot was I had so much pressure on myself about outcomes and results. And because my mind was always on the outcome and the result, I would, I was, it was so hard for me to be bold and go talk to people in the hallways. It was so hard for me to pray for people at, at the P7 club. It was so hard for me to ask people if they wanted Bible studies. And I know you guys are probably like, what? No way. True story. It was so hard for me to, because every time I felt to do something, my mind went to the outcome and the result. And there came a point where I sat down and I made up in my mind, and this is what you have to do is you have to make up in your mind, the outcome isn't on me. If I go ask somebody, hey, my name's Will, how are you doing today? And they literally look at me and roll their eyes and turn around and walk away. It's not, you, you're not a bad person, you're a great person. They're not rejecting you, they're just, they just, they're just being like, hey, don't talk to me right now. And you have to just let that be okay. You have to let that be an understanding of like, look, it's not on me. It's on, it's, it's up to God to bring people to me, to make connections for me. So take the pressure off of your shoulders and allow God to carry that pressure. And you can then operate in this liberty and freedom of just knowing I'm just going to be obedient every day. I'm just going to do what I feel like God's telling me to do every day. And then you'll notice, wow, this is actually a lot easier when I'm not worried about the outcome. This is a lot easier when I'm just inviting people to P7 and I'm not worried about if everybody's going to show up or not, because I am satisfied in knowing I obeyed God today. That was a good question. And uh, so Nathan, I'm trying to get you unmuted. Nathan Santamarieri. Um, 
I've uh, you've got a story that um, I know you shared with with our team um, about a student who showed up really didn't have anybody, but they had some time alone with the teacher. Um, talk to us about about that. Just kind of give us some encouragement for those students that maybe may not have, you know, uh, ever, people showing up every week. Um, so, yeah, are you on Nathan? OK, perfect. yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yeah, let me turn my video on. Sorry, guys. Uh, no, yeah. So we had a student here in our church who um, actually two students who um, started P7 Club and they did a huge promo for it, uh, both of them and were super excited and uh, nobody came and um, super discouraged that, you know, they hit social media hard. And um, what was crazy was the the one girl, her name's Alyssa, she's, she just decided to talk to her teacher. She was like, you know what, I'm just going to talk to her, just be a friend to her. And, you know, it's kind of weird teacher student relationship. Um, but her teacher looked at her and said, um, you know, I, I want my daughter to experience what you have. Um, she said, you know, that there's something different about you. And she just was like connected her daughter who never stepped foot in the P7 club was in junior high, never stepped foot in the P7 club, connected her with Alyssa. Well, she came to a Friday night um, revival service that we were having. And the student um, was just weeping the whole whole service it was it was wild and um sure enough she got filled with the holy ghost and then she called her mom she's like mom i want to be baptized tonight who this is the teacher the p7 sponsor and her mom said don't you do anything i'm driving over to the church right now she got baptized her mom was there witnessed it and so Alyssa is not only discipling the junior high student now but also discipling the teacher who's her p7 sponsor again this year um, so just because it may not work out like you expected it to, doesn't mean that God can't reroute that real quick and turn it into something, an even more beautiful story, if you will, because then every other, every other time that P7 met, there were people there and it was literally that day for that moment, for that time. If we can do what God has asked us to do, I believe this, that, that he will do what we ask him to do. And by stepping out in faith, and this, this student experienced something that probably would, wouldn't, I, I don't know, may not have happened if they wouldn't have just continued to just move forward and just kept stepping forward and stepping out in faith. Um, so, well, we're getting a little bit um, close to our, our time here. Um, I'm just going through a couple, a couple other questions here and maybe, maybe um, uh, Seth, if you're on the call, um, there's a question about starting a P7 club as a volunteer. Um, uh, can, can you talk to us a little bit about that? I don't know if you can see yeah, absolutely. out there, Seth. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a really great question. I think Luke asked that question. It's best uh, for teachers, if teachers want to get involved, it's best for students to lead the charge because students are protected by what's called the Equal Access Act. Um, and what that does is it's, uh, it's an act that was passed in 1984 that protects students that attend publicly funded schools, so public schools, uh, to have the same equal access to the school, whether that's a Christian club or a Satanist club or a math club, it doesn't matter. So all students that attend that public school have the same, um, the same rights to equal access of the school. And so um, as it relates to students um, being protected, they are protected, teachers are not. And so unfortunately teachers, uh, if anything, there's actually, it's actually more difficult for a teacher to get involved um, because then you're dealing with a little bit of the uh, church versus state. 
And so um, as it relates to teachers getting involved, if the school approves um, a teacher to do that and they're open to it, awesome. Take any open door that you can, but unfortunately uh, you don't have any rights protecting, uh, protecting your involvement. So I would just encourage you to tread lightly. And if you can have a student get involved to lead that charge, teachers can always be supportive. Um, they can always get involved behind the scenes quietly, uh, but leading the charge, uh, there's nothing protecting you. Thank you, thank you. Um, so, um, William, if you would, um, we're, we're bumping up on our hour here. If you could just uh, maybe just give us one last little challenge and, and close us out in prayer, and um, we'll uh, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, announce the next call here in just a minute. So, William. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. There were some really good questions on here, by the way. So if you feel like you really need that question answered, feel free to DM me or something and we'll get that question answered for you because you guys ask really, really good ones. Um, so last word of just encouragement and just, I'm gonna say it again, other than I want you guys to hear, just take that step. But the other thing is just remember what we define success as. Success is not about statistics. Success is not about how many numbers we have, how big our P7 clubs are, you know, how many classrooms we fill, how many auditoriums we fill. That's not what success is. Success is about you every single day doing your best to obey God. Whatever he's saying, you just obey. Let the outcome and the results be up to him. That is success. And when we learn that that's success, you will have so much more fun doing P7 and doing peer-to-peer -peer ministry and teaching Bible studies and talking to people and telling people about God. You'll have fun because you're supposed to have fun doing this. You shouldn't be like stressed out and like feeling so much pressure all every time you go to school because I got to go do this and I got to talk to this person. It should be fun. Enjoy yourself. Have fun talking to people about God and have fun in this experience. And I think it'll really, really benefit you guys by doing that. So just remember, we measure success by obedience. Am I obeying? Am I doing what God asked me to do today? And if you can, at the end of the day, say yes, then don't hang your head down if you don't have this like humongous P7 club. I don't know why that that's not success. Just being obedient. That's success. You should be going home like, oh, my goodness, God told me to talk to this person. And I actually talked to them. God told me to sit here and I actually sat there and I made a friend because I sat there. You should be excited, like happy. I'm obeying God. I'm having a fun time doing this. So that, that would be my advice. I'm going to end. We're going to go ahead and close this off in prayer. Again, guys, thank you so much for having me on here. And thank you guys for being here, being hungry, being passionate about lost souls and about seeing God do something in your neighborhoods and in your communities and in your school. Let's go ahead and pray. God, I want to thank you for everything that you've done tonight, oh God. I want to thank you for everything that you have said tonight, God. Thank you for these powerful and amazing young people, God, that are answering your call to just reach out to the people that you have placed around them, oh God. I pray that everybody would be able to be safe, to be covered, to be protected, and to be bold in their schools this year, God. I pray that we would begin to just hear about the miracles and testimonies and that we would be able to see friendships and disciples that have been made, oh God. I pray that you would have your way in everybody's school, God, in everyone's life, God, and let this word be sealed in our hearts, in our minds, and in our spirits. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thank you so much for joining us on this P7 podcast today. We hope that you feel inspired to unlock your faith, unleash truth, elevate Christ, and serve others in your home, in your church, in your community, in your school. Uh, if you want more information about Project 7 Bible Clubs, uh, visit p7clubs.com. And we've got incredible resources ready for you right there.